is Pentecost Sunday. Now, some of you don't know exactly what that means. Uh, so just give you a quick, brief understanding of what Pentecost Sunday is. We understand that um, a few weeks ago, April the 12th, we celebrated Easter. Um, and uh, Easter um, um, was a, the time of the Passover. Easter is what we call it, but uh, in the biblical time, it was called Passover. And um, the the Bible has seven feasts. In, in, in the Bible, there's seven feasts. They celebrate in the Old Testament, and at the time of Jesus Christ, these seven feasts were a, were, were, were a part of, even Jesus participated in these feasts. And so Passover was this first feast took place. We call it Easter, but it's Passover. And then seven weeks and one day, so seven times seven, which is seven weeks times seven days, is 49 plus one. So in case you're doing your math, take your shoes off, get your take your shoes and socks off so you can use all your fingers and toes to count that high. But seven times seven is 49 plus one is 50. So if you take e, uh, Passover and you add the Feast of Weeks, which is seven times seven plus one, which is 50. If you go 50 days... I'm losing some of you now. As soon as I start talking about math, some of you start having a headache. But I'm trying to explain to you here. If you go from 50 days after Passover, you get to what was called the Feast of Weeks, which began to be known as Pentecost. Penta just simply is the Greek word for 50. So uh, that's why we find in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had died and uh, he is resurrected, he walked the earth and then he ascended into heaven. And uh, told those that were uh, gathered to that day on the mountain top, on the hilltop, to go in Jerusalem until they were endued with power on high. He told them and gave them that command. They went to Jerusalem and began to preach. I mean, began to pray. I'm sorry. And uh, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, that was the day of celebration. That was a day when three times a year uh, that all the all the Jewish men were required to come back to Jerusalem and to worship, and they brought their families at times, and they came back to Jerusalem and they worshipped. Pentecost was being one of those celebrations. That's why the streets of Jerusalem were so packed with people that we read about in Acts chapter 2. And so we see these things uh, take place, and Pentecost um, became significant to us as believers because it was the day where God poured out his Spirit fulfilling the beginning of the fulfilling of Joel's prophecy in Joel chapter 2, uh, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That began in Acts chapter 2, and then Peter tells us at the end of Acts chapter 2 that that promise continues to this day. It wasn't for that moment. It wasn't for that group. Some say, well, the Holy Ghost has been done away with. You know, It's only for that period of time. Uh, but the Bible is very clear in understanding that that promise is for, for not only that time, not only for that period of time, for to generations, as many as the Lord should call, and that includes you and I. So we celebrate Pentecost Sunday today um, because we celebrate the fact that we are filled with the Spirit of God and we have the opportunity to have the Spirit of God in us and working in our lives. And we're going to talk about in just a minute what that really means uh, and how that operates in our lives. So uh, Pentecost is... Pentecostal is you, you don't you can't really make a denomination out of a out of a um, um, some have made a theology out of an experience. Pentecost was never meant to be a theology; it was an experience. Um, and so today we don't celebrate of being a Pentecostal. We celebrate Pentecost. We celebrate the experience, but we're ultimately disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And so um, we're excited about that today. And so today, today, today is the day of Pentecost. We celebrated today. Uh, most churches are recognizing it today. And so from a biblical standpoint, that was a really quick five-minute intro on what Pentecost is. But we're going to talk about the effect of Pentecost today, talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what that means for us as believers, but also for those of you that have never experienced that, what that means to you. So welcome and glad you're here. If you've got a Bible, you can join with me and read. You don't have a Bible, you can follow along, or um, I, you know sometimes you're watching on your phone and you don't have it. But I'm going to read today out of the book of Titus, very small book of the Bible, towards the back end of the book uh, of the Bible, uh, probably a book that some of you didn't even realize was a Bible book. Titus, uh, Titus chapter three, even more than that. Uh, I'm going to go to Titus chapter three, and so Titus is. About 10 books away from the end of the Bible, Revelation, and uh, Titus only has three chapters to it. It's a very small book. And so today, if you want to read a book of the Bible, there's 66. If you want to read one, Titus is a good one because you could probably read it in about 15 minutes. Jude is even shorter than that. You could read Jude in probably 10 minutes, and Third John, you could probably read in about six minutes. So um, Titus is very short. And a lot of times it's because of its shortness, we kind of skip over it. But there's something powerful in the book of Titus that I want to pull it out. All the Bible is powerful. Let me rephrase that. I can't say, I need to make sure I clearly uh, speak that. All the Bible is powerful. So even the book of Titus is powerful. There's no book of the Bible that isn't powerful. So I I need to make sure I clearly say that because that sounded like I'm diminishing any book of the Bible. No book of the Bible can diminish. It's all powerful. But anyways... So, uh, Titus chapter 3, verse number 1. This is interesting. I, I, I wasn't going to read this because I want to get to that. Um, I want to get down a few few verses into this. But this was a, this, I, I, this is a verse I want to read, especially in the light of today, which I'm sure when I read this and I go back to comment on it, some of you probably aren't, aren't going to agree with me, and that's fine. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But... But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. How? By the washing, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, I'm not going here today, but I just want to make sure, I thought this was a very powerful opening verse that I don't want to skip. I don't want to go here today, and I understand right now, I am I am um, stepping on very sensitive ground. My kids play this game called The Floor is Lava, uh, where they yell out the floor is lava, and so therefore you can't step on the floor. So um, 
maybe I should call that before I. The floor is lava. Um, but uh, this verse really, I don't. I, this is not where we're going today. But I, I don't want to over. I don't want to skip past this because it's a powerful verse. He says, "Remember to live and." Let me read it again here. I kind of lost my iPad turns off. Remember, remind them to be subject to rules and authorities, to obey, to obey, to be ready for every good work. That's a very powerful opening statement. Remind them to be subject to all authority rulers. That's a very powerful statement, especially in the context of where we live today. And that word remind uh, is... um, in the Greek present tense. It's not a past tense. Remind them. It's literally means go on reminding. It's that's literally what the Greek there, the, the word in the Greek uh, tense is present, and it literally connotates go on reminding them to uh, be subject to rulers and authorities. And you might say, well, I'm sure that was easy because they probably didn't have any issues. Well, if you go back to Titus 1, verse 12, it says the Cretans, which this was written to Titus on the um, on uh, dealing with uh, the people of Crete, um, it said the Cretans were liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That's what the Bible calls them. They were liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. And... It's, re- it's said to him, remind the people to continue, continue obeying authority and rulers. I, I am going to uh, leave that there for your own interpretation. But we got to be careful that we don't cover rebellion and mask rebellion with so-called good intentions. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I, that, that, I was not. That's how I'm in notes. And I can feel the weight of that coming um, out. We've got to be careful. Because sometimes we can mask a spirit of rebellion through good intentions. I, I have a hard time believing that every one of those protesters that are taken to the streets the last number of nights are really doing it to fight for injustice. Are there some? 100%. Absolutely. Sincere. They care. And you know what? They're doing it peaceably. But you can't tell me every person that was looting that target, if you saw the video of that, running out. I mean, this guy ran out with an air fryer. One guy ran out with like 15 pillows. You can't tell me that they were doing that with the intent of bringing uh, a a shining a light on an injustice or shining a light on uh, a a an issue in this country that was rebellion and a, an excuse to live out rebellion cloaked under a a a attitude of we're doing this for justice. We got to be careful that we don't let a a root of rebellion in our life. As we stand for what's right, even in the church today, you know, we're standing against the government because the government has told us that the church can't meet and the church is essential and therefore the government needs to be taken down. We need to be careful that we don't do that 
We don't cover our true rebellion with a cloak of good intentions. And there's some, I have to be frank with you, there's some, if you're not careful, instead of standing up for your rights, you're really just fellowshipping with the spirit of rebellion. And I know that strong statement. I had no intention to say that. I'm guarantee you right now, if I was watching the numbers on Facebook, if I could see them, they're probably going down because people are jumping off going, I don't want to hear this today. I, you know what? I'm not the one saying it. I'm just sharing what I feel God's putting in my heart spirit today. That's not even in my notes. I'll, I'll show you the few notes. I don't have a lot of notes today, but I'll show you the ones I do have. That's not in there because God wants someone to hear. Don't get, don't let rebellion be the source. If you want to stand up for, uh, for equality, if you want to stand up for justice, you want to stand up for, for unity, if you want to stand up for the rights we have as Americans, do that. But don't do it from a place of rebellion. Do it from a place of godliness. Because Paul, later on, it says this. Here's why. Here's the key. Obey. Ready for every good word. Speak evil of no one. Be peaceful, gentle, showing all humility to all men. That doesn't just show humility to those who we agree with. That also means show humility to those that we disagree with. That's the beauty of the power of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Not love for the people that you only like. Not for love for the people that agree with you. Not love for the only a Republican. Not love for only a Democrat. Not love for only a white man. Not love for only a black man. Not love for only a rich man. Not love for only an uh, educated man. or a, Not love for anybody that I agree with, but love for all men. Humility and treating each one with kindness towards all men no matter who you are no matter if I agree or disagree with you I love and respect you I may not agree with you but I can love and respect you and I can treat you with humility I may not agree with your lifestyle today I may not agree with your life choices today but I do that from a place of humility and love the church has become a place that is marked by, and I don't know why I'm saying all this, Lord help me today, I'm, 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 I'm obeying Jesus, and so it's very difficult sometimes doing this camera because I'm kind of, whew, I don't know where I'm at. We're working with Jesus here today. But, you know, the church has been scarred and has been, has been marred and has been, has been, uh, has been, become known as got a reputation. That's the right word. The church has gotten a reputation as being a place of condemnation, as being a place of judgment, as being a place where we turn our nose up at those that we don't look like us or are not like us that are, or do, or are part of lifestyles that are not like us. That's not what the church is supposed to really be about. That's not what Jesus was about. When Jesus had that woman down at his feet, washing his feet and drying it with her hair, she did not come from a place of perfection. She came from a place of imperfection. He didn't judge her. He loved her. Does that mean he agreed with everything she was doing? Absolutely not. Does that mean he was okay with her lifestyle? No. 
He loved her. He did not, he did not, he did not uh, shame her. He did not bring uh, humility to her. But he treated her with love and gentle and humility. We're, not, we're supposed to treat others with humility. We're not supposed to humiliate. God help us. It's so sad to see believers, people that confess to be believers. And I know I'm about to step on somebody's toes and I'm being broadcast on Facebook and everything else. And so I'm sure this is going to get around, but I'm just going to speak from my heart today. God help believers who use social media as a platform to spew their own junk to others under the guise of free speech and social media and not forgetting that even though you're typing it on social media doesn't mean you stop being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Just because you're typing it on a screen doesn't mean that somehow you've forgotten the fact you should treat others with love and kindness and humility. We're moving into an election season. It's going to be, it's, 2020 is going to be a tougher, as, as tough if not tougher than 2016. And we have people that are on both sides of the argument. And those are on one side, they're going to yell on the other side. And you're going to try to say, well, you're wrong and that's wrong. But ultimately, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as believers that walk and confess that we are citizens of heaven, we're not citizens of this earth, but we're called to a higher calling. We should treat each other with humility and kindness as Titus being commanded here. I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody hear me today. That's what makes the church powerful. That's what makes the church bigger than the organization. That's what makes the church bigger than the government. Because no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's happening in the world, the church can rise above that. Because we are a multicultural church in Antioch West. Some of you watching today, you don't know that. You don't know what kind of church we are. But we are a church of all races and all kinds. And we have people from all walks of life fellowshipping together. And not just ones or two, but we're very, we're a very, very mixed multitude today because that's the power of the body of Christ. Heaven is not going to be reserved for one type of person. Heaven is going to be open for all of those who have been baptized in the same name, which is the name of Jesus. I'm not going to heaven because of the color of my skin. I'm not going to heaven because of my, my, my background. I'm not going to heaven because of how much money I had or didn't have or the education I had or didn't have. I'm not going to heaven because of who my parents were or who my parents were not. I'm going to heaven because I've been baptized and called the name of Jesus over my life and I've been filled with the power and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But Titus is given this and Titus is been given the charge, remind, continue reminding that we should treat men. Because here's why, and this is what he said, this is the reason why. He said, speak evil of no one, be peaceful, gentle, showing humility. I don't even know I'm in this, but I'm in it. i got to stay here for a moment. But, but he said, do all this, because don't forget where you came from. For some of you that feel today that you are so high and mighty because you've got everything going, don't forget where you came from. Because remember the fact that you were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving the various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We were once like that, but oh! Oh, thankful today that we have been found by the grace of God, the mercy of Jesus Christ. Here's the beauty about it. He says to Titus, listen, we ourselves were also once 
It says that we, we had this, we were there. We're no different than the people that are, that are out there losing their mind. We're, we're no different than them. The only difference is we were there, but yet through the mercy of God, we found a different life. Today, if you're watching and your life's a mess, and you think you look at me or you may look at somebody else, a part of Antioch West, and you go, well, they got it all together, man. They're, they're perfect. You don't know where we've come from. You don't know what we've dealt with. You don't know the things that we've done. Don't let... Where I'm at, fool, me, fool you today. Don't let the background fool you. Don't let the, the what, what you see today fool you because you don't know where God has brought me from. You don't know the stuff that was in my heart, the junk in me that God has helped me through, that God has taken out of me. Don't be fooled today if you saw one of our members and they may look may look all uh, pretty and polished today and go, man, well, they're, they're, they're perfect people. You don't know what they used to be like. You don't know what they used to be involved in. You don't know the kind of person they were. But we stand here today not because of what we did. We stand here today because of who we are and we have found the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. We ourselves... We, we constantly we need to remind ourselves the pit from where we came from. We constantly know, we can't, we can't lose track of where God's taken us from because if that's the case, we lose perspective on where we are. We were once foolish. We were once disobedient. We were once deceived. We were once all these things. We were once hopeless. We were once without an ability to, to change ourselves. We, we didn't know. We, we just thought this is the way it's always going to be. It's never going to change. We were like that. But today we stand here because of the mercy of God. Four things happen, and I want to just mention these real quick, and I'm moving on to my main topic today. But there's four things that this does for us today as believers, that Titus is, that this is mentioning here in the book of Titus, four things. First, we have gratitude for how God has changed us. Secondly, we have humility as we see that it was His work that changed us. So we have gratitude because we see how God's changed us. We have humility because we see that it was his work that changed us. We couldn't do it ourselves, but he did it. The third thing that does is it produces, or it should produce, a kindness and a, and a gentleness and a humility towards others that were in the same place as we were. Others that are in the same boat as we are today. We can sit around today, man, the world is just losing their mind today. The world is just so bad. Man, I can't believe it. This is terrible. We, we are just, oh God, help us. This is just a bad world. But you know what? Some don't even know there's hope. Imagine what you would do today if you felt hopeless. How would you be reacting today if you didn't know that there was hope? What would you be doing today if you didn't realize there was an answer and all you saw was the certainty of death, the certainty of destruction. What would you be like today? I guarantee you wouldn't be sitting back going, well, you know. But you'd, you would probably acting like some others and the way they're acting because there's no hope. When your government fails you and when society fails you and 
when you're judged by the color of your skin or you're judged by your economic status or you're judged by your education or lack thereof or you're judged by things that are out of your control, you feel hopeless. You feel like there's no hope. So before we judge those who are just acting out the sense of hopelessness, let's remember that we're only today here today because we found hope in Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know why I'm saying it. I'm serious. I did not come on today to make these statements. Trust in Jesus, giving it to Jesus. So the first thing it does is brings gratitude. The second thing it does, it brings humility to know it was God that did it. We didn't do it ourselves. That should produce kindness. And ultimately, it should produce a faith that if God can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. If God can do it for me, he, I'm, no, I'm no different than you today. Don't let me fool you here today because you see me online you go, well, man, he must have it together. Don't let it fool you. If God can change me, he can change you. Trust me. He had an uphill climb with this fella. It ain't a cupcake. And ultimately, we get to this, and this is where I really want to get to. Here's what happens. We lay out the issue. We lay out that we were once one of these, but here's what happens. But when the kindness and the love of God appeared towards us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by His mercy, He has saved us. How did He save us? He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice this again. It's another Important step, not by anything that we have done. Are there things we need to do? Yes. Do we need to repent? Yes. Do we need to ask God to forgive us? Yes. Do we need to be baptized? Yes. Do we need to have our lives changed? Yes. But none of that by itself is what changes us. It's the fruit that we are changed. It's the byproduct of we are changed. Just simply going through the process is not what's necessary. But it is an expression outwardly of an internal decision. It's an expression outwardly of what's going on in the inside. If I simply just go through the act of repentance and say, God, you know, I don't want to, I want to change. Okay, I said the words. That's not really what changes us. It's not the speaking of the words that change us. It's not just simply the act of baptism is about being submerged in water. You know what? Today you can go jump out in the pool. That's not going to change you. So it's not just the act of getting wet that changes you. It's what's happening on the inside that is manifested by the act of baptism on the outside is what changes you. So let's not get caught up so much in what's going on in the outward that we forget that it really is about the inward. Man looks on the outside, but the Bible says God looks on the inward parts. It's got to start here today for you today if you want to change your life. It doesn't start by changing your actions. It starts by letting God change your heart. Because if it's about changing your action, how many times have you looked yourself in the mirror and say, Self, I'm never going to do that again. But only to find yourself repeating it over and over again because you're trying to change your action. You're not letting God change your heart. It's got to start with the heart. It's got to start with the source. It's the heart. So not by the works of righteousness which you've done. It's not negating the fact there should be. Some take that verse and say, see, there's nothing we can do, so therefore we do nothing. That's not what he's saying there. He's not saying we do nothing, but he's saying it's not the act that saves you, but the act is a byproduct of what's happening on the inside. Shh. 
Do we need to be baptized in order to step into a rebirth experience with Jesus Christ and be saved? Yes, we do. But it's not the act of baptism alone that does it. It's the fact that we confess, I want Jesus Christ to wash me of my sins through the power of His blood. And therefore, because of the inward decision of my heart, the outward posture is, I'm baptized into Christ into water. That's being said here. Notice this. Look at these words. Look at what's being said. It's, 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 it's repeated over again. He saved us. Notice the emphasis of these scriptures. Of God. Not by works. His mercy. He saved us. Of the Holy Spirit. He poured through Jesus. By His grace. Heirs. It's saying over and over again. God is the initiator. God is the source. God is the one. We first receive from Him before we give anything back. He's knocking. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. God is knocking at your door before you open the door. He's the initiator. God has been looking for you before you even recognize. You know, people say, Well, I found God. I found No, you didn't find God. You just recognized God found you. You say, Well, you know, people say, you know, and I get it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying we should stop saying it, but context. We say, well, I found God. No, my friend, you didn't find God. You just recognized God found you because he was seeking for you. There's an old song we used to sing years and years ago. He was seeking for me. He was seeking for me. He knew him not. I knew him not, but yet he loved me. He was seeking for me. God today is seeking for you. He's standing right there at the heart, at the door of your heart. He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of your heart today. You have the choice today. You won't beat the door down. He's not going to knock it down, but he's knocking at the door. Will you let him in? Will you let him in? But it's not you that initiates it. It's really you just responding to the fact that he's initiating it. And how does it happen? The Bible says there's a cause and effect. And that's the final final few minutes here. I want to talk to you about the cause and effect of this knocking. The cause and effect of God's call on your life. The knocking. There's three things that happen in the cause and effect of this. It's a past, present, and future effect. It's a past, present, and future. Number one, God's knocking because He wants to take away your past. He wants to take your past and wash it away. The mistakes. He's not going to take away the memories. He's not going to take away... He's not going to take away... He's not going to make it as poof. All things are perfect. You know, if you committed a crime, God's not going to come and suddenly... uh, you know, it's not a get out of jail free card. Let's put it that way, okay? I'm not preaching a get out, giving you today a get out of jail free card. Well, you know, try Jesus; he'll make everything go away. Well, you know, I, that's that's not even it's not it's not even biblical. God's not a get get out of jail free card. We're not playing Monopoly here, okay? So I'm not handing you a get out of jail free card that God's going to, you know, whatever mistake you made, just use this card and God's going to take make it all better. That's not what he's talking about here. But God wants to say, he wants to take care of your past. Which he talked about because he said, here's where you are. Here's where he was talking about in the past tense. But he's also talking in the fact that some of you are there in the present tense. You're foolish. Not that you're foolish intellectually, but you're foolish because you're walking after your own 
desires. You're walking after your own feelings. The Bible says to the things of, to the natural world, the things of the spirit are foolishness. So therefore, you're foolish when you're trying to use natural reasoning and natural abilities to navigate a world that's beyond your control. Let's, you know, the Bible says, can you add one cubit to your height without thinking? Can you, can you even one, add one inch by just thinking about it? No. Some things are out of your control. So to try to navigate this world that is out of control by thinking somehow we can be in control is the greatest delusion we can live by. And that's why some of you struggle so much because you're control, you want to control your world. You want to control everything around you. And it's a miserable existence. Because the more you try to be in control, the more you feel out of control. And so he says, you're foolish, you're disobedient, you're deceived, you're serving the lust of the, uh, you're serving lust and pleasures. You got the, you know, the, the YOLO generation. You only live once. Hey, live by what you feel. Don't let anybody tell you what you can do. Just live your pleasure. Do what you want to do. That's what the world, that's the lie of the world, right? You just live what you want. No rules, no, no, no laws, no morals, nothing. You just do what feels good to you. And that's the greatest deception. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. These are the conditions of our past. These were places where some of us used to be, and there are places where some of us are. But he said, Let's, now we acknowledge the past, let's talk about the present. He said, the through the washing and regeneration. Literally, this word is speaking of not just the act of washing, but it's also talking about the spiritual context of washing. Because the Greek word here, and I want to get into all of this, the Greek the Greek word, but the Greek word it, translated washing here is connected with a spiritual cleansing, not just the act of it. Because all of you know right now, look, okay, how many of you have spent a million minutes the last couple of months washing your hands? You know, you're singing, what is it, the birthday song? Now, you know, people, they've taken popular songs and made them into hand-washing songs because you're supposed to wash for 20 seconds, you know. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. You know, 20 seconds hand washing. And so we're washing our hands and, you know, we're using soap. You can't barely go to a store anymore and buy soap because everyone's washing their hands and washing their hands and washing your hands. And, you know, we tell our kids, wash your hands. You're outside, wash your hands. We go to the store, come back home, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash. That's been a huge part of this whole fighting the COVID-19 pandemic is washing our hands. But come on, we all know if I walked up the sink right now and I just wash my hands without soap. I can go through the act, but nothing's going to be taken care of. Because I have to have an ingredient other than just water. I have to have a cleansing ingredient, which is the soap. When Paul is writing here in, in, in Titus, when we're talking about this, this spiritual regeneration of washing, it's not just talking about the act of baptism as far as getting wet. But it's also talking about the spiritual cleansing that takes place when you, when you, when you go through that act. It actually talks about the fact, the power of the blood of Jesus that washes and cleanses us. It's the soap that's added to the water that kills the bacteria, the germs, the things that are trying to affect us. And so we find it here that uh, this word here, uh, regeneration. It is a word that is often used to denote the restoration of something to its pristine state. A renovation, a renewal, or a restoration. 
It's a word used to even connotate the restoration of earth after the flood. After the flood of Noah in the book of Genesis when the earth, the Bible says the earth was corrupt and evil and men could do nothing but think of evil all day long. And God sent a word to Noah that said, build a boat and I'm going to destroy the earth by flood. And so God wiped out the earth and He destroyed the earth and destroyed those that were on the earth that disobeyed. And after the earth was done and the water receded, new life was formed. New life came out of that. That's what this word here, renew. The, 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 the word regeneration means it, it means that it's not just a, a taking what's there and just simply um, repairing it but literally it's it's taking what's there and actually taking it down to its to its base state so they can be rebuilt re, redone to its pristine nature um, um, you, you, you it's not just simply the fact of of just simply throwing some repairs on it throwing some duct tape on it but it literally means I'm going to make it brand new, back to its original condition before it was destroyed. It's, it's almost like today for those that are have taken a, an old car uh, that has been set out in a field for year after year and it's rusted and it's falling apart and it's in decay, but they take that car and they don't just simply paint over it and say, well, it looks new. Uh, look, let's just put some paint on it, even though the, the car is destroyed on the inside, we'll just paint over it. It literally, they, they take it and they, they, they put new parts on it and they, they take the old parts and they repair them and they clean them and they make that car back to, and sometimes even better condition than when it was originally built. God's not interested in just painting over you today and saying, well, you're good because I want, you know, okay, well, I'm going to wash you and just paint over you. God's not interested in just painting over your rust spots today. God's, God's about taking away your rust spots. Well, you don't even have rust spots. Not just painting over your rust spots today. He wants to actually give you a brand new pristine look. The effects of life had on you, the depression and the oppression and the hurt and the pain and the rejection and the uncertainty and the worry and the doubt and all of the things that have stolen from you that have left you exposed to the elements of life that have eaten away at your core, that have eaten away at who you are, that have left you feeling hopeless and, and without a sense of peace. Certainty in life, God wants to take those and He wants to actually make it brand new. So He said through the washing. So the cause and effect here is, He wants to take care of the, here's the cause. The cause is, we need Him and He's the initiator. The effect is, when we acknowledge He is involved and He wants to change us, the effect is, He wants to take care of our past. He wants to bring us to a place of pristine condition in the present. Not meaning we become perfect. That's the biggest fallacy. I'm not perfect. I don't even confess to be perfect. I'm far from perfect. I put my pants on one leg at a time. Okay, folks? I don't just get up in the morning and just... I mean, it's, it's there's still human, humanity here in this. Uh, there's humanity still in this, in, in, this, in this container of flesh. But he wants to take, our, take away our... talk about our past our pet present, but then he says, not only, it would have been one thing, it would have been one thing that he said through the washing and the regeneration, but then he went on to say the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That word literally renewing is coming to a complete change for the better, meaning that just simply, so look, okay, let's look at it this way, and here's where I want to I land today for the next five minutes. 
is this. We acknowledge our condition. Some of you today, if you'll be honest with yourself, you would acknowledge your condition, where you are. Once you've acknowledged the fact of where you are and the fact of your need for God and the fact that you cannot change without His help, once you've established those facts, then you understand, God, I need your help in my life. Change me. And therefore, God is willing to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, make you new. But it doesn't just leave you like that. That's like saying, okay, I'm going to give you a start over again. God's not trying to give you a redo where you just hit the button, go back and say, okay, God, thanks for that. Now I'm going to do better this time. Because let's be honest, if God took you back to the starting line and said, okay, all right, I'm changing all that, do better. Guess what? If you do it on your own, you're still going to find yourself right back at the same place you were before. So God's not interested tonight, or today, I keep saying tonight, I don't know, maybe. I'm I'm surrounded by sunshine, I don't know why I keep saying tonight. God's not interested today in just sending you back to the starting line. What he does is he says, okay, here's where you went wrong, so I'm going to take all that away as if all the effects of that have been taken away, but now I'm going to give you the power of my spirit. So this time, you're not going to have to do it on your own. But I'm going to be able to do it through you because you're not going to be doing it in your own strength, but I will actually be in you. So when the day of Pentecost was fully come, he said, if you would go to Jerusalem and you would pray, you would wait, you would receive power from on high, and you shall become. How can I become? I've got to become through the power of the Holy Ghost. So the question I have for you today is, what are you becoming? What are you desiring it to become today? Because you cannot become that on your own. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need to receive the power of the Holy Ghost in your life today because if you don't acknowledge that, or if you have the Holy Ghost in your life, but you have let that Holy Ghost go dormant in you, you are powerless. You can read every self-help book you want. You can read 10 steps to a better you, 10 steps to a better today, have your best future now. You can read everyone. You can confess things of your life. Get up and say 10 positive thoughts today to make a better. You can do all that, but if you're not doing it in His strength, it's going to lead to failure. Because the Bible says, without Him, I can do nothing. So, can I challenge you today with this? If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life, like they did on the day of Pentecost, you have no power to change and to become what God's wanting you to become. But if you've had that experience, but it's been a while, maybe, and you say, how long is a while? I don't know how desperate are you to change. Because if you're desperate to change, a few days is a while. A day is a while. I mean, come on. If I ask you, if you're, you're hungry and thirsty, I say, when's the last time you drank? Well, it's been a while. Sometimes a while is, I had breakfast this morning when I woke up at 7.30, but it's 11.15. I'm starting to get a little hungry because it's been a while. It's three hours, but it's been a while. My stomach's telling me, hey, yo, it's been a while since you've had some food. 
So I'm not going to define what a while is. You define what a while is according to your faith, according to your hunger. What's a while? Has it been a couple hours? Has it been a couple days? Has it been a couple weeks? Has it been a couple months? Has it been a couple years? Whatever a while is for you, let it be. But has it been a while since you felt the power and the renewing and the regeneration of the Holy Ghost effective in your life, activated in your life? If you haven't, then today, can I challenge you? Let God fill you again with his spirit. Well, I'm not in church. You don't have to be in church. Well, I, no one's around me to, to help me. You don't need anybody. All you need is him. So we're going to do this today. I'm going to ask you to do this here as, as I finish up. Take a moment right now. Would you just be honest with yourself in this last closing moment? I've gone a little longer than I intended to go because I've been trying to follow the Holy Ghost, so I don't apologize for the length because I have obeyed Jesus today. So thank you for those of you that have stuck around for this long. Those of you that have watched. But we've come to this moment. The first thing I want you to do, if you would, is acknowledge your spiritual condition. Where are you? Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you depressed? Are you frustrated? Is all the surroundings of your natural world decaying your spiritual condition? Are you in a place where you've never experienced or encountered God to a degree that changed your life? Or maybe you are someone that had an encounter with God many years ago, but it's been a while since you felt that renewing, regeneration, power of the Holy Ghost as described here in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Today's a great day. Because today's the day of Pentecost. This is the day that God poured out His Spirit the very first time. And I believe God today can pour out His Spirit again. But the first thing you have to recognize is your need for Him. So if you would, just take a moment with me right where you are. And would you acknowledge the fact, not to me, I, I'm not, I can't even hear you. And I'm asked, don't post it on Facebook. Can you acknowledge your need for Him today? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I cannot change on my own. Jesus, I want to change. Jesus, I don't like the things in my life that are about me. I, I know there's things that are about me that are wrong. I don't know how to change them. Jesus, I know the things in my life right now that I'm doing that aren't pleasing to you. There may be things I'm doing I don't even realize aren't pleasing to you, but I want to change. But I can't change on my own. Would you change me today? Would you start the change in me today? I am desperate to change. I'm desperate to become. But I don't know how to do that. I don't even know where to start. But today I acknowledge that I need to. But I acknowledge that you are the source. And that I need you to be that source. I acknowledge that today. I confess that. I confess that I am nothing with, that I, that I can do nothing without you, that I need you in my life. Would you pray that prayer with me today, just for a moment? Would you pray that, and would you acknowledge that? To, you're not acknowledging it to me. I'm not asking you. My phone is not ringing off the hook right now. You don't have to call me today. You're acknowledging it to Jesus Christ. You're saying it to Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Change me. Change me. Change me today. Now, that's your prayer, and then it doesn't have to take, you don't have to sit there and bang the floor. You're not like, oh, God, change me, please, God, ah! You know, isn't it? come on, it's not about that. 
It's an acknowledgement. It's a confession. It's an acknowledgement of the desire to change. It's a confession that you cannot change yourself, that you need him to change. Once that's the case, now the next step is you need an agent of change. So you just acknowledge you want to change. You just acknowledge you can't change yourself, so you need help, right? So let's get that help. What's that help called? The Bible says in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He will help you. He will lead you and guide you. So let's have that help come to you today. How do I do that? In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you if you would right where you are. Silly as it is, for those of you that are still watching, you can join with me. If it's been a while, it may be have never or been a while, I'm going to ask you in just a moment if you would lift your hands to heaven. You say, why do I got to lift my hands? Well, I don't know about lifting the hands. Remember, we're acknowledging, right? This is acknowledgement. So the hands are just an outward expression of an inward posture, right? I don't care. You lift your hands all I want. You can wave your hands in the air. You can, this ain't, come on, you know, raise the roof. It ain't, come on, we ain't raising the roof. Raising hands is simply the fact of acknowledge. I'm showing God I mean what I, I mean business. Here I am, God. I mean business. I'm lifting my hands because I'm meaning business with you. If you feel uncomfortable doing this in front of somebody, go to another part of the house. Go to the basement. Go to the garage. Sneak into the bathroom. Go to the bedroom. Go in your closet. I don't care. Go somewhere where you can feel like you can express yourself without fear of someone else looking at you. So get in that private place. Lift your hands to heaven and say, God, here I am. And here is what I want you to do. In just a moment, I want you to begin to begin to thank God for changing you. Say, Lord, I thank you for changing me. I thank you for filling me with your spirit, changing my life today. I thankfully today that it's starting today, that today is the start of the change that you're going to do in my life, that I can, that I can become, that I can change today because Lord, I acknowledge I need to change and I desire today to change and I confess that I cannot change myself and I thank you today for filling me with your spirit and changing me and I want you to just begin to give God thanks and praise. God, you're awesome. I love you, Jesus. I worship you. Guess what's going to happen? Remember that door I was talking about that the Bible says he stands and knocks? When you begin to do that, you're, it's like a door, right? That door's opening. As you begin to do that, you're going to open that door. And guess what God's going to do? The moment you open that door, God's going to go, yes, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. You don't have to ask me twice. You ever seen people that say, you know what? If I come over, you don't have to ask me twice. You know what? You don't have to ask God twice. You don't have to ask him four times. You don't have to beg God. You just got to ask God one time because he is standing there ready for that door to open because he's coming in. And when he comes in, he's going to give you the power of the Holy Ghost. And how do I know that? Because the same thing they experienced on the day of Pentecost... Over 2,000 years ago, you can experience today when the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you begin to speak with a brand new tongue as they, as the Bible speaks of in Acts chapter 2. So we're going to do that today. Right now, those of you that are joined with me, join with me. We've acknowledged, we've already prayed, we've acknowledged that we need God. So I'm going to ask you, those of you that want a brand new regeneration, renewing, a brand new just outpouring of God in your life. A brand new encounter with God right now. Right now. I'm talking right now. Right here on Facebook, on YouTube, online, wherever you are, in your home, in your car, outside, wherever you are, it's about to happen right now. Do you believe it? you got to say you believe it. Because if you're just thinking it's, a, it's not a wishing well, folks, do you believe it can happen right now? 
I gotta, you gotta say it. I can't hear you saying it, but you gotta believe. It's gotta be. The Bible says now faith. So do you believe God can change and begin to work in you right now? Yes? Somebody's saying yes. I'm believing somebody's saying yes. I'm feeling a yes in my spirit. It may be one, but somebody's saying yes. Then if you believe God can do it right now, and when we begin to pray, God's gonna do it right now for you. Do you believe that? Come on, you gotta believe it. Either say amen, say yes. You can give me a yes. Whatever you got to do, give me something. Not for me, but for you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you really believe it, you should speak it. So now that you've confessed it, you've believed it, you've desired it, you've spoken it, now we just got to receive it. So I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. Right where you are. Now if you snuck away in, your, in a part of your house, you're listening to me with headphones so no one else knows what you're doing, that's okay. But I want you to open up your mouth and I want you to begin to tell God, thank Him for what He's doing. Thank Him for His Spirit. Thank Him for filling you with you. Go ahead and tell Him. Don't tell me. I don't need to hear it. Tell Him. Don't think it in your mind. Speak it out and out, out. Speak it out. You begin to do that. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor and worship you. I thank you today for changing me. As you begin to do that, God's going to begin, you're going to feel the Spirit of God begin to touch you on the inside of your heart. It's not going to be emotion, but it's going to feel something all the way down deep depth of your heart. God's going to begin to talk. Father, in the name of Jesus, as those that are hearing me today obey the word and call upon you and ask you for your Spirit to flood their life. Right now, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Word, and by the authority of the name of Jesus, I loose the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I, re- I loose the renewing and the regeneration of the water and Spirit. Right now, in the name of Jesus, to fall on those that are calling out to you right now, in the name of Jesus, let them be filled with your Spirit. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, let it happen. In Jesus' name, it is so. He Come on, that's it. If you begin to pray and you begin to talk to God, you're going to begin to feel like some of you are going to begin to feel things like you've never felt before. And maybe words are going to come to you that never were. Don't worry what it sounds like. Just just give yield to that. And you may begin to hear different sounds or different words or different syllables that come out of you. That's not you. That's the Holy Ghost. And for some of you that has been a while, let God refresh you and renew you right now with strength and power power and might and authority in your life right now. Come on, lift your hands right now and receive it. In the name of Jesus, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I feel the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost falling right now in homes. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost filling hearts. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Come on, receive it in Jesus' name. Come on, receive it in Jesus' name. Feel the power of the Holy Ghost in your life right now in Jesus' name. Let God renew you and change you right now. That's it. Come on. I feel those are beginning to touch. I feel heaven touching earth and I feel earth touching heaven. I can say, well, you sound crazy. That's okay. To things of the spirit, to the natural mind are foolish. I'm not talking about what I feel what I know in my head. I can tell you what I can feel in my heart right now. I feel God touching and transforming lives right now through the power of the Holy Ghost. Change is happening right now. Let it happen in you. In Jesus' name. 
Come on, those of you that have the Holy Ghost, once you begin to pray in the Spirit for a moment, those of you that have already received this powerful and life-changing gift, why don't you just let it work in you right now? Come on, let the Spirit of God work on you right now. In your, if you're in the room with other believers, why don't you just begin to pray? With You don't have to touch them. You can keep your distance. But why don't you just begin to pray out loud together in a room right now in Jesus' name. Come on, you begin to feel that. That's not You're not making that up. I'm not making it up. I don't even know if you're watching or not. I'm just telling you what I feel God's doing in here in my life, right here in my, my basement of my house. I can feel the presence of God moving in a powerful way. And God can do that right where you are. Come on, let's just begin to continue to do it. Let God do it right now. Don't stop because I'm stopping. Just... As much as you want of God, you can get right now. If you want a little bit of God, get a little bit. But if you want a whole lot of God, you can get it all right now. Come on, that's it. Just pray and seek God. Come on, reach out to God. In the name of Jesus, power of the Holy Ghost fall. Power of the Holy Ghost fall. Power of the Holy Ghost fall right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, that's it. Don't stop. We just we I know we've been on for a while, but you can just for another moment. Come on, you can give two minutes of your time. For a life-changing encounter. Come on. Two minutes is nothing to change your life. Come on. You've got an extra two minutes. Stay with me just for another minute. Why God does a powerful work in your life. As you call out to Him. And you receive Him into your heart and spirit. As God fills you with His power. And His love. And His His life-changing spirit in your heart. In the name of Jesus. Come on, your mind's telling you this is weird, this is far out, this is crazy. Your mind doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. To the natural mind, the things of the Spirit are foolish. I'm not trying to appease your... We're so used to having our intellect stimulated. I'm not trying to stimulate your intellect today. I'm trying to talk to your heart today. So your mind's saying crazy, but your heart's saying, I feel it. I know something's there. I can feel something I've never felt before. That's your heart. Your head says, eh, this guy's nutty, this whole thing's nutty. But your heart's saying, I can feel it. Would you just let that happen right now in Jesus' name? God, I pray you would confirm your word right now. You would confirm your word. I feel your word being confirmed, Lord, even as we pray. I pray that your word, not my word. If this is the word of Joel, God, don't do anything. But Lord, if this is your word like I believe it is, I pray that you would confirm your word right now in Jesus' name. That your word would be confirmed. And those that are listening and watching and that will listen and will watch will feel the power and the, 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 the demonstration of your spirit and the Holy Ghost even as they call out to you in prayer. Whether it's now, whether it's this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, next week, that God, when they call on you, you would hear them and you would change them through the power of your spirit. Would you just let God change your life? He stands and knocks. Let him do it in you. Don't stop because I stop. How hungry. The Bible says Jesus would say this many times. According to your faith, so be it unto you. So I challenge you with this last thought. According to your faith, so be it unto you. How big is your faith? That's how big God is. According to your faith today, whatever you believe for today, God will do if you just believe. 
I challenge you with that today. Let the power of the Holy Ghost change you. Let the power of the Holy Ghost change you. In Jesus' name, let it be done today. God bless you. In Jesus' name.